Today we begin reading the book of Romans. So let's read Romans 1 today. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, regarding his son, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and on behalf of his name, we received grace and apostleship to call all those among the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being proclaimed all over the world. God, whom I serve with my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times, asking now that at last by God's will I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, how often I planned to come to you, but have been prevented from visiting until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated, both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Greek. For the gospel reveals the righteousness of God that comes by faith from start to finish, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. For what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood by his workmanship, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and darkened in their foolish hearts. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images of mortal man, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over, in the desires of their hearts, to impurity for the dishonoring of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is forever worthy of praise. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. Likewise, the men abandoned natural relations with women and burned with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, he gave them up to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, 
deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent new forms of evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, merciless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things are worthy of death, they not only continue to do these things, but also approve of those who practice them. This is God's word. As we read the book of Acts, we have stopped here and there to read Paul's letters around the points chronologically where some scholars think they were written. In other words, Acts 19 described Paul's two-year stay in Ephesus. After reading Acts 19, we stop to read 1 and 2 Corinthians because there are good reasons to believe that Paul wrote 1 and 2 Corinthians during his time in Ephesus. In Acts 19.21, Paul described his desire to go to Jerusalem, but to stop in the regions of Greece, that's Macedonia and Achaia, on his way. 2 Corinthians described his coming visit. Also, in Acts 19.21, Paul described his desire to visit Rome. At the end of Romans, you can see this in Romans 15, 28, and 29, Paul described his coming trip to Jerusalem and his intention to visit Rome after he went to Jerusalem. So here in Romans 1, 10 through 11, we read, I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That's according to the NIV's reading. So the book of Romans was a letter designed to prepare believers in Rome for Paul's intended visit there after he went to Jerusalem. That's why we're reading Romans now. Paul had not yet been to Rome as an apostle, so the church that existed there was not one that he founded. In this letter to the Romans, Paul laid out his doctrine of the gospel so that the Roman church would understand their faith better and would receive him and support him as he intended to go further out to Spain. You can see Romans 15, 23, and 24 for that. Paul began here in Romans 1 by summarizing his doctrine of Christianity in verses 1 through 4 and his commission to preach the gospel in verse 5. Then he described his prayers for the believers in Rome in verses 6 through 10 and his desire to visit them in verses 11 through 15. Starting with verse 16, Paul transitioned to the gospel. He wrote first about the greatness of the gospel in verses 16 and 17, then about the universal human need for it in verses 18 through 32. Humanity's rejection of God, according to verses 18 through 23, and the deep-rooted sinfulness that results from rejecting God in verses 24 through 32 are the source of all human problems. Some human problems, like sickness and death, are not cured by the gospel in this life. Instead, the gospel holds promise for deliverance from those in the life to come. But every other human problem, the things that take up the first page of every day's newspaper, are caused by people rejecting God, and they're cured by the gospel. Very often, we try to make things more complicated than they really are. We think that typical human issues, like materialism, homosexuality, murder, gossip, arrogance, disobedient children, and other problems are caused by insecurity, a lack of love, poor parenting, fear, poverty, hopelessness, and other psychological issues. While all of those things may be factors in why people act as they do, 
They are not the cause. All these things and others are human responses to rejecting God. The cure, then, is Christ, who died for our sins in order to save us from these problems and to save us from an eternity apart from God. Paul stated in verse 16 that he was not ashamed of the gospel because it was God's power to save all who believe in its message of deliverance. What the disobedient child, according to verse 30, needs is salvation in Jesus. The same is true for all those eaten alive by envy, which verse 29 talks about, those who kill, which verse 29 also references, those who exploit others for financial gain, that's the greedy, according to verse 29, homosexuals, according to verses 26 and 27, and every other sinner. People need forgiveness, rescue, and reconciliation with God more than they need better coping strategies, more powerful drugs, or a happier childhood. That's what the gospel offers. As you and I live in this world, we meet people who are stuck in these and other problems. We may offer sympathy to those who are suffering, advice to those who are confused, and even prayer. But do we offer the gospel? That's where the power of God to save resides. Don't be ashamed of the simple message that Christ died for our sins. Use it to rescue sinners for the glory of God. If you found this devotional helpful, let me encourage you to sign up to receive it in your email if you don't already by going to dailypbj.com subscribe. Every morning you'll receive an email that has a link to the audio and video and a transcript of these devotionals, and that'll help you stay on track and be in the Word every day. You can also support me financially by going to dailypbj.com support. And thank you for those of you who so faithfully give month after month. Finally, share this video with someone who might benefit from it, and I'll see you next time.